Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 171. Welcome back, Adamantamaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison, and thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope everyone is enjoying their summer so far. It's been beautiful here in Toronto. We have been very, very busy over in this household because we are less than a week away from our wedding, which is next weekend up in Muskoka, Ontario. So uh, this weekend we have been up to our noses and errands and getting stuff ready. Who would have thought that planning a wedding uh, would be a lot of work? (laughs) And early last week we had uh, my bachelor party and my boys took me to Nashville, Tennessee. And that is a super fun city if you've never been. It is unbelievable. If you like live music, it is the place to be. I didn't actually realize that it was the place for bachelorettes. I mean, I think I saw maybe two other bachelor parties and probably like a thousand bachelorette parties. And I am someone who grew up in the city near downtown and I'm used to crowds. They don't make me nervous at all. In fact, sometimes I I feed off that energy. But that Broadway area of Nashville on a Saturday night is some of the most sensory overload I have ever experienced in my life. And I've, I've been to Vegas and stuff where it's like visual overload, but it was audible overload. And I've never experienced that before. There was so many noises coming from so many different areas that it's like my brain couldn't process what noise was coming from where, but it was a heck of a good time. I stayed out late every night Listened to live music with my best friends, and so what could be better than that? And yes, a very big week ahead, but before that happens, of course, we got to get an episode into your ears. And like I pretty much say about them all, we've got a great one for you today. This episode, I'm joined by James Priestner, who is the frontman of the band Rare Americans. And if you're not familiar with their work, they are a super unique band. They're, they're a rock band with a lot of pop, punk, alternative indie influence. And what makes Rare Americans super unique is that all their songs pretty much tell a story. And many of those stories are accompanied by a fully animated video. So if you look up Rare Americans on YouTube, you will see dozens of these awesomely animated music videos um, that tell some really wicked stories. And so this obviously piqued my interest. And I, I don't know if I've ever said this on here before, but my first career choice was to be an animator or an illustrator. And so it was really cool for me to be able to have a conversation with James and pick his brain. And what was really awesome is we recorded this episode at the animation studio where they make these videos. It's called Crooked City Studios, and they're based out of Toronto. Rare Americans are based out of Vancouver, but their animation studio is here in Toronto. And they have all just been super hard at work. Rare Americans have four albums currently, three of which came out like in the last two years. They've just constantly been putting out juicy content. And the timing of this is great because their next project actually comes out next month and it is their most ambitious project yet. It is called Searching for Strawberries, the story of Jongo Bongo. And the reason I say it is their most ambitious project is because the album will be followed by a 33-minute fully animated musical feature. Something that, I mean, I don't know if it's been done before, but certainly not, certainly not often. And if you were someone who knew how much work and effort goes into making even a one or two minute short animated video, then you could certainly appreciate the amount of work that goes into a 33 minute feature. So Searching for Strawberries is scheduled to be released on July 7th, followed by the feature on July 10th. So mark that in your calendars. I am super stoked and very curious to see how Searching for Strawberries turns out. And I know James is very passionate about it. So I'm really excited to share this conversation with you about the bands from start to now, this project and and everything in between. So in preparation for Searching for Strawberries, if you are new to Rare Americans music, let's give you a couple recos to check out before that project comes out, maybe before or after you listen to this interview. We're gonna do that Adamantium Recommend segment. So here are five songs by Rare Americans that I recommend you check out. Starting with their last release, the album's called You're Not a Bad Person, It's Just a Bad World. I recommend the song Run the World. And then from an EP that was also released last year, the EP is called Songs That Don't Belong. I recommend the song Little White Lies. And then from their 2021 album, Jamesy Boy and the Screw Loose Zoo, I recommend the song Baggage. And then finally, from the album just before that, it's called Rare Americans 2. 
I recommend the song Hullabaloo. And of course, what's kind of become their anthem, I recommend the song Brittle Bones Nikki. And that's it. So if you're new to Rare American's music, those are definitely worth checking out. You can also now check out the Adamantium Recommends playlist on Apple Music, which has a selection of songs from these recommendation segments from all the episodes. It's a great way to discover new music, and it's also just a fantastic playlist. And if you're a Rare Americans fan that's tuning into the Adamantium podcast for the very first time today, of course, you you probably know all those songs, I'm sure. But I want to thank you for tuning in today and lending your ear and spending some time listening to the podcast. I would absolutely love for you to tune in again sometime. We have over 170 episodes. I'm sure there's a few artists on there you know and love. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please do hit that subscribe button on whichever podcast network you choose to get your podcast. You can also follow the Adamantium podcast on social media. We're on Instagram at the Adamantium, on Facebook at the Adamantium podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. But you can find us just by searching the Adamantium podcast. And that's all the formalities I have for today. So let's waste not any more time. And let's introduce you to James Priestner of the band Rare Americans right here on episode 171 of the Adamantium podcast. Enjoy the episode. Have a great week, everyone. God bless. And the next time you hear from me, I'll be a married man. Whoa. here with James from Rare Americans. Thank you again for joining me. Pleasure. And I don't know if you heard me telling manager, but um, I mean, this is really cool. And I have, this is probably the most cards I've prepared for an interview because I also, my first career choice was to be an animator. Okay. So not only do I have tons of music questions, but I have lots of animation questions. Sure. So, well, if, if you're ever yeah. looking for another, uh, another additional job, feel free oh, to. Oh man, actually, <laughs> I, don't, don't tell me that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but let's, let's get started. So uh, first and foremost, I have to congratulate you guys. Nominated this year for a breakthrough group of the year, Thank the you. Junos, which is, I mean, you're not first time uh, being involved with the Junos, but probably the first time going because I think 2020 it was probably all virtual or something, right? So well, 2020 we uh, we actually weren't nominated. It's like a production. Award, we almost right? like yeah. um, we kind of probably should have been, um, but uh, the guy who we worked with on that song, mm-hmm. he had submitted for our song plus a song by Mother Mother. Yes, okay. Uh, and then he ended up winning Producer of the Year, which was which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't really okay. So this didn't really involve was, us. Yeah, yeah. So this kind of really was the first. Definitely our first. And a big award too like so huge kind of recognition there yeah it was cool it was the first time that i would say the canadian media industry has recognized us at all i think for the longest time people thought we were maybe like an internet band uh, because we were doing this animated thing it wasn't live action and we weren't very forward facing and we, I think we were putting up all these like crazy numbers and I think maybe mm-hmm. people thought it was fake or we were, right. we were buying them or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, and then I think once we, um, you know, put a tour on sale and we sold out a couple of tours, um, then I think it was like, oh, these guys yeah. are actually, they have fans. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, obviously we got the Juno nomination and, and now it seems like we're getting a little bit more interest from people. Well, I always are, find that breakthrough one kind of funny too because it's like, it's like... I guess I guess breakthrough rather than calling them new artist of the year or whatever yeah. because it's like we've been around for you exactly. know I've seen breakthrough I was like I've been listening to them for like six years yeah. you know yeah, <laughs> yeah so I hear people but, at the the Grammy say that too like yeah best new artist it's like what well, you didn't know is it, it took it us ten mean, years to get to this point yeah exactly so what was what was the experience like going and it was cool yeah. um, different um, you know is it's, that your first time going to something like that or pretty well yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it seems like everybody is like, it's like, oh my God, you would assume they're the biggest celebrity in the world or something. And then you realize, and then you go and, you know, we've actually seen a couple of these people outside Mm -hmm. of uh, the Junos now and you're like, oh, okay, they're, they're not as big as the allure kind of scene. I've heard from a couple of the artists, it's like they do a really good job of making you feel like a, like a celebrity. Yeah. Walking on the red carpet and stuff. It was fun. It it was, it was cool. Um, 
yeah, overall, we, we had a great experience. Yeah. And I played in the Juno Cup, too, which was really fun. What's the Juno Cup? Uh, they do a hockey game, oh, uh, cool. which was started by Jim Cuddy from yeah, Blue Rodeo. From Blue Rodeo. Yeah. He started I went like, to high school with his daughter, actually. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, his sons are really nice guys. Yeah, I think met. one of his sons tours with him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I met both of them, and yeah. they both played in the game. Um, so, yeah, they uh, they started this, I guess, 20 years ago or something. And okay. And they get all the ex-NHL hockey players from the local right. market uh, versus the musicians. Okay. Um, um, and I, I grew up a hockey player. I played a pretty high level hockey, so um, it was the first time I'd put on the pads in like mm. ten years. So I didn't Gotta go. Uh, well, I actually got traded at the last minute. I was supposed to be on Team Musicians, and I guess the tradition yeah. is they trade the goalie, so the okay. musician team gets the NHL goalie. Okay. And then the the amateur musician gets to play on Team NHL. Okay. To hopefully just even the game out. Right. Uh, but yeah, I ended up getting a shout out, so I shout out the Rockers. Really? I did, yeah. Oh, very nice. Um, so you, wait, so you ball. got to play with a bunch of, like, probably guys that you looked up to. Yeah, but a lot of those guys I actually played with. Okay. Um, back when I when I played, I played in the Western Hockey League, so a lot okay. of those, a you lot of played those, with them before. a lot of those guys I used to skate with in the summertime mm. and stuff, so it was super funny to yeah. see, like, a full circle moment of, kind of, yeah, yeah right? you know, was... playing with these guys and facing their shots again, and it had been such a long time, doesn't but it was really fun. Doesn't it, though, kind of make you... Like a little depressed that you're like, guys I used to play with are now ex NHL players. 100%. <laughs> it's 100%. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm a big soccer player. And it was like, I saw a picture of this, this guy named Wayne Rooney. Yeah. That was like, when I was in high school, he yeah. was like 19 yeah, and yeah, I've been yeah. coming. And I was like, he was like, and now I saw a picture of him. He's coaching in the MLS and he's coaching like the All Star game. Yeah. And I'm like, he looks so old. Now. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. What yeah. happened? Like, the years fly, I went man. to see John Mayer last week and I was like, He's not a young dude anymore. No, he's like mid forties. Yeah, yeah, so I was yeah. like, "Geez, where, where's the time gone?" Totally, hundred percent. Uh, one thing that's actually been a topic of discussion on this podcast quite a bit lately, and kind of you guys fall into the same category because you're kind of known as being like a genre bending type of band. And one thing that's kind of been talked about is how music is kind of be- more and more up and coming artists are are kind of blending the lines between genres. And almost becoming genreless, and music's kind of becoming more and more genreless, and people yep. aren't be putting in those boxes of you have to make this music. And do you find that as a trend, or do you see that continuing in music? I think so, hundred um, percent. I think back in the day, like even my brothers, um, one of my brothers is eleven years older, and the other one's seven years older, and they were like bona fide punk rock kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think back then, you know, when I was watching them uh, kind of grow up, you know, you identified as a punk rocker. Mm-hmm. You weren't listening to also to hip hop and also to pop and yeah. whatever. You, you were very much a part of your tribe, so yeah. to speak. Um, but for me, I think, you know, being a decade younger than them, um, I remember listening to all sorts of music mm-hmm. from, you know, listening to the punk rock roots of bands like Rancid and Bad Religion and Pennywise and stuff that they introduced me to, um, to then like Tegan and Sarah and Modest Mouse and then Eminem, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, just all sorts of different music. And I think, you know, kids my age were also doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, you know, obviously now with the age of, you know, Spotify and, you know, you have one playlist that can have any genre of song, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Uh, right. Versus back in the day, you went to the store, you had to walk there, you had to physically buy a CD, yeah. and you weren't, unless you were you know, making your own compilation discs, you were just listening to one record. So right. I think it just makes sense now that, you know, and as time goes on, you know, kids are, they're sharp, they're savvy, they're listening to all these different genres of music, mm-hmm. they're listening to old music as well, and they're, you know, trying to kind of fuse it all together. So we're in an interesting period right now where, um, People are trying to take instruments and like, it's cool to make them sound worse than they okay, actually right. are. It's like trying to take like old lo-fi, like, right. you know, live off the floor kind of, you know, quote unquote, bad recording yeah, sounds yeah. and, you know, kind of bringing them into kind of modern production. So, right. You know, you have all these kind of old school engineers who took such great pride in making the most polished, beautiful sound in the world. Right. And now all the kids as artists are kind of like, can you actually just make it sound a little like worse? Yeah. Uh, because right. that's vibier. Yeah. Um, so I think people, yeah, artists are going to continue to just pull from all sorts of different genres. Mm-hmm. But that's that's cool. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I think so too. And um, you guys also like have, have gotten this reputation for your work ethic and... Um, it's not surprising considering um, not only does the music 
entail music, but it includes animation. Yeah. And it's a good number of your videos include animate or a good number of your songs include animated videos. Um, so tell me, tell me kind of where that, that all started. What, like what sparked the idea to not only are we going to do music, but we're going to bring in this passion for animation into it as well. Uh, yeah, it started, um, we, before, you know, we released even our first song, um, there was an artist called Killer Mike from Run the Jewels, uh, yeah, yeah. who we liked a lot, and he had a song called Reagan that was animated, okay. uh, and it was this really, really awesome video, so we actually tracked down who animated and directed that video, mm -hmm. and, uh, couldn't get a hold of this guy anywhere, like, emailed him, he didn't even have a Facebook page, it was like, who is this mad scientist kind yeah. of guy? Then we ended up tracking him down through Vimeo. Uh, he was from New York. He was a guy named Harry Tiedelman. Uh, and we convinced him to kind of just like take a shot on us and do a video together. Yeah. So um, that was our first video called Cats, Dogs, and Rats, which I, I think is still, you know, one of our very best animated videos. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a stunning piece of work. It took him eight months, though. So it took him a long right. time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we also did a lot of live action videos as well for that first record. Mm -hmm. um, and I produced all those. And if you've ever produced uh, any sort of film shoot, it's mm -hmm. it's just a huge operation. You're yeah. hiring full crews, catering, locations, insurance. You gotta make, it's like throwing a wedding and it has to go perfectly or yeah. nothing works. Um, so it's just, it's a, it's a huge job. Um, and with animation, it was like, well, I can, you know, pitch a story or give a story and a song to someone and they kind of take it and run with it. Yeah. It just, it freed us up a lot. So um, anyway, once we put out Cats, Dogs and Rats, um, the reaction to it was um, just much stronger, I would say, than all the live action videos. Okay. Kids were just really buying into whatever it was, the art or the combination mm -hmm. of the narrative, the art and the music, and it just kind of fit. So um, we decided for the second record to kind of go all in on animation. Okay. Uh, and that's where... You know, we wanted to work with Harry again, but he, he just, it was such, it took such a long time. Right. We needed a more turnkey style of solution. Course, yeah. So um, we looked in Canada and found uh, a video through a band called Pup, who we really like. And I think they did a video, I think it was called Dark Days. Okay. Um, and turns out this, uh, this crew from Toronto, they were called the Solace Animation. And uh, they're three siblings, Leah, Les, and Lou. Um, and they were just really awesome mm -hmm. people. Turned videos around in like four or five weeks. Wow. Uh, so it was, it was crazy yeah. how, how quick they were. Uh, and those three songs just totally killed it. And one in particular is called Brittle Bones Nikki. And that was mm -hmm. the one that kind of, you know, started everything for us. Right. And um, so yeah, since then we kind of fully committed uh, to animation. Um, and also, I think we felt like it was um, a more unique lane um, mm. because 99.9% of artists are forward facing. They're, right. it's, it's them in the camera. It's all live action. Mm. And we're like, we thought, why don't we try something that less than 1% of artists are doing? Maybe it's, you know, in such a crowded industry, maybe it's a way that we can stand out a little bit. So take, take me a little bit through the process of... A rare American song, like okay, this is one we want to have animated. Did first of all, did any of did any of one in the band have any kind of experience in animation? No, or? not at all. Okay, so no, like so when you guys say uh, develop, but you guys are, is it you guys developing the stories? I guess like because you've got the songs. Yeah. Are you thinking? about the video that could proceed now like when you're writing a song like uh, uh yeah lots of it's such a big part of lots band. of the time yeah mm -hmm. there's like we have different buckets of songs so some songs are so narrative driven like right. like brittle bones nikki or mm -hmm. ryan and dave these are songs that are literally the song is communicating a narrative of what's happening and what these right. characters are going through so the video in those situations pretty much writes itself right um and then we have other songs like a song called you know, Milkman, which is a popular song, or Run the World, where the lyrics were a little bit more ambiguous. It didn't mm -hmm. follow a strict narrative. Right. So in those situations, um, we might have like a, a solid narrative idea that we communicate um, uh, to our studio here called Crooked City Studios, or I might just hand it off to our kind of creative heads, the siblings here, Les and Lou, yeah. and say, hey, I don't have a strong idea on a narrative for this okay. one. Why don't you guys put together some ideas? To you. Okay. And, then, and then they'll put together some pitches, and then we kind of mm -hmm. go through them, we workshop them, and then ultimately we, we make an animatic and, and then view it, make any changes, and then gotcha. kind of hit go. That's, that's really cool, because I, I, I noticed that even like, um, there's a song called Baggage, that yeah. the video for that I thought was fantastic, and really 
even you know pulls on the heartstrings a little bit. Well, and that's which, one that's one that was uh, you know had a story. Right. I, I wasn't yeah. gonna I wasn't gonna manipulate that story. It was mm-hmm. it was very much true to the actual experience. Yeah. Um, and then we actually it was cool that one we did a follow up video which our fans love. The more we can do like. We did Brittle Bones Nikki one, and then we followed yes. it up with Brittle Bones Nikki two, and like they just they love the sequels and seeing where things go. Right, so, how the stories progress. Yeah, so with Baggage, we did another one called Shay, uh, which kind of continues okay. continues that story. Okay, yeah, because it kind of ends on a yeah. what happens. Exactly. Now. Yeah, I actually haven't seen. I didn't know oh, there, there was a sequel, yeah, so, so now I have to find that. Yeah, one. yeah. there you go. <laughs> um, so how many? Like how many? How what would you say? So how many hours would go? Do you say into each video? Uh, good question. I mean, for us, it can be honestly just a matter of, you know, a week or not, not even right. less. Like if you have a strong vision, especially when writing the song, um, you know, you can almost build the narrative in right away and then it doesn't take me that much time at all. Mm-hmm. It's more on these guys um, at the studio here and they can turn a video around in, you know, between four and six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it can, it goes quite quickly. Yeah. Where, um... Where did the the horse character come from? Oh yeah, uh, at the very very beginning, um, we after we did cats, dogs, and rats, um, we wanted to make a, like an animated five second like YouTube bumper ad right. to try to essentially promote our first record because mm-hmm. the the whole idea from the beginning was to do YouTube ads to okay. try to launch ourselves out there. Right. Um, and so Harry, the guy who animated cats, dogs, and rats. Um, he was a little bit tied up, I think, at the time, so he brought in his friend, uh, George Conkin, uh, who ended up drawing this horse. We mm-hmm. said we wanted like an anthropomorphic animal, you know, of some, court, right. some kind, try a horse, try a dog, try whatever, we'll mm-hmm. see. Uh, and he, he workshopped a few things, and then um, he did this horse. He was smoking a joint, he was super cool, he had a record, an old record next to him. And yeah. I was like, oh man, this is so cool. Uh, so we, we went with that, we even decided we had a different album cover drawn and decided to scrap that and go with this image that George drew. Uh, and that became essentially our first record cover and this character, Alfred, who we kind of invented, yeah. who's kind of like the, you know, the big brother of the band, yeah. so to speak. And uh, yeah, that was an unbelievable find because George uh, has been with us since that day and has drawn every single piece of merchandise we own, okay. every yeah. single album cover. Uh, I think he's just the best artist in the world and uh, I work extremely closely with him. He lives in the States, um, but uh, our merch has been just massive for the band. Like, it, you know, that's one thing if you come to our shows, uh, you'll see our merch line is extremely long, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome. It's right. the coolest part. And I mean, it's a great thing to having a visual exactly. element to. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the visual element, it adds to even the, the storytelling of the songs, obviously. You know? Totally. Um, adding a visual always always helps. And like I said, it's like the even the songs where maybe you guys are, are, are speaking from the heart, it kind of adds... It gives you context. It gives you a little content. You're yeah. right to it. Yeah, and it has um, also it's what's cool is it's created um, an extremely young fan base. Yeah, I think when we when we recorded our first record, because um, Jared and I, my oldest brother Jared, we we write a lot of the songs together, and you know he's in his 40s now. Um, so you know a lot of the lyric matter, subject matter that we write is more serious, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, and so we assumed that our fan base would be older. Like, okay. We thought it would be like mid to late twenties, thirties, and then you know when we played our first shows, we were like, oh my god, these kids mm. who are showing up are thirteen. Yeah. They're fifteen. They're seventeen. Like they're extremely young. A yeah. lot of parents, um, and that was really cool. And I think it probably comes from the a lot from the cartoon kind of element, visual yeah. element, anime kind of element of it. Yeah, and I mean those are the people looking like looking to youtube and stuff like that to exactly. find this kind of this kind of content and, yeah um but even yeah even still like uh the, the, another song that that spoke to me too is a song called mama bear okay yeah. like yeah I'm, I'm a big mama's boy myself yeah too, so i was like but adding the visual element too i love kind of like the the play element yeah with all the little characters that come out that's and a really good example like, really good example of crooked city studios mm-hmm. having uh, a good idea and a vision for yeah. something it was Hey, here's the major points in this song mm-hmm. based on the lyric and I, that I want you to get across. But yeah. um, it was totally them that had the idea of doing the little Muppets play kind of thing yeah, because yeah. it was kind of cute and childish. And um, I think that's that's a good example of their creativity. Mm-hmm. 
was it you? I guess it was... No, you were the hockey player, so was your brother the tennis player? No, that was yeah. also me. It was also you. I okay. grew up an athlete, yeah. I was so. My path as a kid was 20 hours of uh, athletics oh, really? a week. Yeah. I, was, I played hockey and tennis at a, at a pretty high level, and um, yeah, that was pretty well my life. I went to like a sports school, so we only went to school till noon every day. You just mm -hmm. took like the four core subjects, and then... Yeah. From age 12, I was training three hours a day tennis and then going to hockey right after. Wow. And yeah, kind of my path was uh, to try to be a, a professional athlete. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it all so kind of changed. So where did music come into the mix? Like, when did you pick up a guitar yeah, I was and start a little, writing a song? I was like... a little later to the game. Um, I was playing in the Western Hockey League, so I moved away from home at 16. And I was living at like a billet family or a host family yep. in a different city. Um, so we had like strict curfew every night at like nine. Mm -hmm. So... Once you're done with the rink, you had quite a bit of time at home, and uh, yeah, that's when I bought a guitar just to kind of do as a hobby and something mm. to do and pass the time. And uh, I learned uh, one song. It was by a band called Say Anything, mm. um, and then I took those same exact chords and just like wrote a song so quickly. It was yeah. so weird. One of the strangest experiences of my life, and I was like absolutely hooked on it. I had yeah. no idea what happened. Didn't know if it would ever happen again, and. Sure enough, the next day I wrote another song and then another one, another one, another one. That whole year I just continued writing songs and um, my uh, my priority and focus on hockey, I would say, dramatically shifted right. and uh, literally retired the next season and told my friends and family I wanted to be an artist. And yeah. I think they thought I was absolutely batshit crazy and, um, you know, but whatever, I had a, I had a, some sort of blind belief in my yeah. gut that I thought I could so, do this. So what was like the point where you thought, okay, this, this could be a career option for me? You know what? It's one of those things. I can't remember. Bob, Bob Dylan had a great quote about this. I, I can't totally remember at the top of my head right now, but it's, it's really about like, you know, your gut is like a mm. second brain yeah. and no one's going to listen to you until you've achieved something. And then they want to, you know, kind of jump on board and be like, Oh, I knew you kind of had it. Right, in you, but right. You know, for the first many years when it's really just, you know, you really at the mm -hmm. end of the day, you're the only one who can kind of believe in yourself and go through the failures and the stumbling and hurtling blocks and the development and the growth. Um, you know, so I, I spent a good, you know, five, six years going through that, just playing open mics on my own, starting a different band and mm -hmm. um, trying to go play gigs to nobody and learning through those experiences and, you know, making shitty little recordings in, in my bedroom. I went to audio engineering school to learn how to record myself. Okay. Um, so then just making band demos and learning mm -hmm. about how to produce music and you know how that whole you know industry worked. And then, um, yeah, so Rare Americans was probably like, you know, six years or something into right. my kind of musical journey or seven years. And, and that happened, I read something about like that happened, you and your brother were on vacation or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah, 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 we, yeah, that was when I was in a different band at the time. I had a band called The Lunas um, and I was recording a lot, doing a lot of demoing and really getting into music production. Um, and then, yeah, we took a kind of a brother's trip uh, to the Caribbean for 10 days and it was almost like a reconnecting trip yeah. in a way because he's so much older than me so right. he moved out of the house when I was I don't know seven years old or something yeah. and I was away playing hockey and we just didn't really have a lot of um, brother time as kids yeah. so yeah we took this trip uh, and truth be told I had no real idea what we were going to do for 10 days on this yeah. kind of sleepy island uh, and I kind of joked to him I said I'll drink a couple beers I'll bring my guitar and we'll try to write a song and yeah He's he's uh, he's always got grandiose ideas, and he said a song. He's like, "Screw that, man! Let's let's make an album." Yeah, I was like, ah, "We're not gonna make an album, you know? It doesn't work that way." Uh, sure enough, ten days later, we wrote like the first fifteen rare American songs. We really, barely went to the beach. We just 12, 13 hours a day. We woke up, wow, wrote songs, demoed them, uh, listened to them back, and until two in the morning every day, we just wrote songs. Wow. Uh, and it was such a cool. And had experience. he ever done something like that before? No, not really. Wow. No, he's a businessman. Uh, yeah. he's got a couple kids. Just a totally different life. Um, yeah, very creative guy. Like uh, loves music. He was a punk rock kid growing up. Um, yeah, big huge fan of the arts. Um, but yeah, had never had any like formal right you know doesn't play an instrument or yeah. anything uh, really sharp guy great lyricist uh and yeah we just uh created all these kind of crazy stories together and wow. you know all the all these songs and that was uh, it was a different 
slightly different style of music than I was playing at the time. So um, we decided to start a brand new project. And did any of those songs that you wrote in the Caribbean did they ever make it on to say like, pretty much our whole first record? Really? Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah, and Anytime. then even a few that we've. Uh, you know, I, I I never wanted to be a band where you really like their first record and then everything yeah. changes and you never like anything since. Yeah. So a lot of actually songs we kind of we kept from that era, so to speak, mm -hmm. and then have put on subsequent uh, records moving forward. Right. Yeah. Um, just to kind of give like a you know a throwback almost to the right. be to the beginning and the same recording. So mm -hmm. you know your voice changes over time, your style changes over time. So even on our, our record we have coming out here in a couple months, um, you know, there's a, literally a song from 2017 on it, so. Okay, and does he, do you still get, does he still get to write music with you now? Oh like, yeah, because, absolutely, yeah. Because it went so well, like. Oh yeah, we, yeah. we uh, this last year has been, um, you know, a bit of a grind for us touring, we haven't been home a lot, but mm -hmm. yeah, whenever I'm home, we always, you know, once every six weeks, we'll go and take a weekend at, uh, at his cabin and, and just Very write nice. songs. Was, I mean, one of my first thoughts too, when, um, when watching some of the content was, I, 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 you know, I wondered if anything was inspired, say, from the Gorillas or if you're, or Prozac, like when I was yeah, growing yeah, up, yeah. Prozac was, was the cartoon band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, not really. No, eh? Okay. No, <clears throat> no, was never really like a, uh, I remember like, a, of course, <clears throat> excuse me, Clint Eastwood is a total banger, but yeah. I wouldn't say like I was like a an avid Gorillaz listener or anything like that. Mm. I didn't follow their lore. I didn't, I knew kind of, everybody knew they were the animated right. band, but yeah. Um, I think our, ours was, yeah, to, had nothing to do with theirs. And I think it's also very different. Of um, course, yeah, for sure. Ours is much more narrative driven, I would mm. say, you know, mm. almost every song has like a real beginning, middle and an end. Um, I find a lot of their stuff uh, is more visually, um, it's more visual forward. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a little bit more ambiguous to exactly what's kind of going on. Um, even though I know in the past they have done a lot of stuff that had a lot of story building and world building mm -hmm. and lore and they've done an amazing job. Obviously they're, yeah, <laughs> they're playing arenas yeah. around the world. So obviously a lot of people have connected with it. Um, but yeah, I think our, our approach was not, uh, not necessarily inspired by, by that. Um, one thing that I read you guys are working on now is is a, a thirty minute fully animated musical film. Yeah, um, and it's called Searching for Strawberries: The Story of Jongo Bongo. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So tell me a little bit about what what made you guys want to do something more long form. First of all, oh man, this one is is I, I don't know. You just get a hunch sometimes. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so. I just had this hunch of, okay, people are digging the storytelling. Why don't we try to do a bigger, more ambitious project? Um, part of me almost wishes I never had this idea in the first <laughs> place because of how hard and how long. These... Say, usually those ambitious yeah, projects end up, you know, you think you end up having a few thoughts like that. Yeah, it's you. taken like it's, it's taken a, a year. It's taken a lot of growing pains. It's taking a lot of, uh, it's expensive. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, it's the really challenging project. So. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, but also at the same time, I think it's different. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's like, you know, from what we can tell, it's almost like the first time in the music industry that mm -hmm. we've, we, I literally combed the internet to try to find like, is there a 35 minute fully animated yeah. musical film kind of concept album? And there was nothing that we could find. So, um, you know, that also kickstarted like a, <clears throat> a sequence of events. Um, cause we have this one and then we actually followed it up with, we recorded a double album um, earlier this year that's okay. 90 minutes, 25 songs, uh, full right. feature length animated yeah. musical film that's, you know, well into production. Okay. Uh, so, you know, we're really... That we're, was one of my questions. Is it going to, is the film align with an album that's going to be released? Yeah, like, everything yeah. is, everything is like uh, film and album in okay. one. So there's like, you have songs, scenes to kind of get you through it. Another song and then a scene that kind of, gotcha. you know, gets you connects through, yeah. kind of connects the film. Um, so yeah, we have this uh, Searching for Strawberries, which is kind of the first one in this kind of new format. It's kind of Rare Americans, almost like the multimedia company. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we're. I, I hope that they pop off for fans yeah. and, that, and that they love it because they are 
extremely intense projects. Yeah. Like you just, there's so many, yeah. so many details involved that you have to get right. And yeah, yeah it's been, you know, a huge uh, workload for both the team here at Crooked City and, and also for me personally. So was there a story in particular that sparked the idea for the film or is it like, we want to do a film let's think of a story that would work for the film. Um, a few of the songs just happen, you know, I, I always write songs just about, you know, people, situations, mm -hmm. very much inspired by society and the, and the people kind of around me that I observe. And um, Jongo is our, you know, he's our bassist and, you know, a huge part of the band. And he comes from Slovakia, which was okay. a, you know, a, a communist country when he grew up. Like he just, he's, he's, he's seen a lot. His childhood was so different than mine. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, he ended up, he was a musician growing up. And then, you know, I think he faced the reality of, you know, I have to get a job to support myself. So he's a smart guy, went to university, ended up getting a job for IBM. Okay. Hated it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just trying to climb the corporate ladder to yeah. nowhere, no creativity in the job. Um, so then, you know, he went on like a soul searching mission and he did uh, what's it's called the Santiago de Camino, which is a mm. 900 kilometer walk through Spain. Oh, that geez, people take yeah. and they they do it in a month you know so you're doing you know 30 40 clicks a day yeah. walking um, a marathon every day yeah <laughs> and it's and it's like a it, it very excruciating on the yeah. body um but it, it's meant for you know the you go in with an intention or it's often people who are looking to figure out what to do next in their life yeah. and i think he was at a bit of a crossroads um so he went on this journey and uh uh, ended up meeting uh, a girl, fell in love with her, mm. and she was from Canada. Uh, so that's on. Uh, she was also on the journey. Right. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. So he uh, he met her and kind of followed her to Canada. Um, and so I just thought it was a really interesting story. Yeah. Uh, and so. So then how did you guys meet? Uh, we met because um, our other player who's been with me for a long time, Lubo, uh, he's also Slovakian. Okay. And the Slovak community in Vancouver is not very big. Yeah. So they kind of knew each other through that. Gotcha. Yeah. So anyway, we when we were thinking of music videos to do for this project, um, you know, a few of these songs were written kind of about Jongo's story. And I was like, why don't we try to see if we can like, you know, make the other songs work uh, mm -hmm. in a longer format type of film. Um, so this one was part like, you know, some of the songs were written for it and some was totally retrofitted yeah. um, to make it work into the film, which was right. a real challenge in and of itself. Um, uh, but the next project that we have, I was just telling you about, that was specifically written as a narrative start to finish. Mm -hmm. So to me, the film is a lot more almost like true to the, you know, it's it, it was literally written like a script. Right. Uh, and so the songs are quite descriptive to get you through the characters' yeah. journeys uh, versus this first project was half kind of like that and half almost retrofitted but right. i still think it works well so wait there's a couple films in the the making two two okay yeah well actually three uh we have uh our biggest song brittle bones nikki uh we actually released the movie trailer for it this year that was one of my next questions yeah yeah, yeah so that one um you know there's there's we did brittle bones nikki one brittle bones nikki two and now people you know just really connected with this mm -hmm. character so uh, during the pandemic, uh, I wrote a script uh, for a film, essentially, and uh, yeah, now we have that also in production. So um, wow. that one's more a, a more of a traditional film. Okay, um, it's like a it's three acts. It's um, we're gonna definitely weave in a musical component to it. Right. I think we'll score the whole thing and, and whatnot, but um, it's definitely much more of a film, film than these other projects, which are really rare American Musicals, songs. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do you think? people connected with so well with Brittle Bones Nikki? Uh, I think it's the idea of like, you know, you're not going to push me around. Like you right. can't get me down, down, down. I, I think a lot of our fans deal with, with bullying. I think mm -hmm. a lot of our fans are, um, you know, I don't want to say like outcasts, but they're, mm -hmm. you know, they're kids who are, you know, trying to find their place in the world. And there's a lot of people probably who don't believe in them. And, um, probably oftentimes they don't believe in themselves uh, mm -hmm. and I think this is a bit of a rallying call to be like you know what I'm here like mm -hmm. I'm gonna puff my chest out a little bit and stick my arms up and yeah you know you're not gonna push me around either you know and I think it, it gave them some strength and they kind of identified with uh, with this character and mm -hmm. um, you know Nikki's kind of place in the world um, and yeah I, I think it really gave them maybe some confidence mm -hmm. uh, and it's really cool it's so cool every night to, to sing that song and when you when you hear people singing sing it loud it back, and proud yeah. you can see that 
you know, they did take some inspiration in their, right. their own lives for it, which yeah. is, you know, that's the best part about making music. I even noticed like that the, the last video I think you guys posted, the last one I saw that you guys had posted too was one called Rule the World. Yeah, Run the World. Yeah. Run the World. Sorry, yeah. Run the World. Yeah. And that sim too had a similar yeah. similar kind of vibe. Yeah. And uh, it was a really cool video too, a really cool song. And, and it has that kind of said like a, like especially like in the chorus, there's that like kind yeah. of... Yeah, it's been a major Rally call. Yeah, it's yeah. been a major theme I think for uh, for the band and just learning about our fan base now after playing all these shows over the you know the last year. Um, yeah, I understand why it why it connects now a little mm -hmm. bit more than you know than songs just about love or mm -hmm. whatever. You know, I, I think that yeah, a lot of our fans are are trying to find their way in the world and mm -hmm. discovering who they are and they're young well, and they're. I was gonna say especially if you're saying you're appealing to. A crowd that's you know 16 17 mm -hmm. that age obviously that is an age where you're trying to figure out <laughs> and the world where is, your life is going and, and the world is ultra confusing right now complicated place yeah it's super very, complicated it's unbelievably expensive yeah. it's you know we have an artistic fan base so it's you know people who want to want to make art and want to mm -hmm. follow their true passions but at the same time it's like they're you know having to work any job possible mm -hmm. just to make enough money to to live or go to university mm -hmm. or you know and then you're like do I go to university and <clears throat> pay a bunch of money to get this degree but then yeah. I come out of it with all this debt and then I get a job that can't even pay my debt yeah or do I try to follow what my gut wants to do but it's risky and my parents are telling me I shouldn't mm -hmm. do that it's uh, it's just an extremely complicated um, you I know, think as too, for an adolescent this <clears throat> next gen like this next you know terrifies me that you know when I have kids what school is going to be like then and like growing up is going to be like then because when I think back to when we grew up and as complicated as it felt then it's so much simpler than what this generation now has to deal with and for it's sure like, it's yeah. yeah you know our kids will be living in a totally different world 100%, but yeah. I try to I try to lean on the I'm not scared right and to me yeah I'm, like to, to me I'm like and I know a lot there's of so much more opportunity at the same time as well but yeah and I don't know my whole philosophy like, has been like you know your life is a journey mm -hmm. and you're gonna go through all of these different parts of and, and and it and it's a ride and at the end of the mm -hmm. day um, to me it's like you get one life and what's so clear to me mm -hmm. is you know how quickly that can be taken from you and, and how fragile life yeah. is so to me it's like you got to Wherever you're born into, whatever situation you're born into, you you just gotta ride the journey in and, mm -hmm. and enjoy it because you you only get one of them. You only get so one, yeah. if that means we're gonna have the the rise of AI and we're all gonna have robots <laughs> and fucking aliens are coming here next yeah. year, I have no idea. But uh, I'm not gonna stand and, and be fearful or whatever. I'm just yeah. gonna say, okay, if if that's where my life was meant to roll, I'm gonna rock with it and be on well, this journey. And with each with each tough situation comes opportunity too and for sure and as scary as it might be say for a parent like also think about as a musician the now you can write a song put it on soundcloud and there's a chance thousands of people could hear it you know whereas you know when you and i were growing up you didn't have that option no. you know you almost relied on having someone have to hear you yeah you had to be yeah you, you had to be on a record label, label yeah. and and you could sign a deal and they could shelf so, you and you could never get your music yeah. back and now you have no ability to build a fan base, 100%. So I think that we're going to see in the next 10 years that, um, which has already been happening statistically, you know, you can see that the independent sector of the mm -hmm. music industry is really growing. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's, that's only going to increase mm -hmm. tenfold. Um, we're, we're independent, which I'm, I'm super proud of. Um, I, I think it's, you know, the more artists who can kind of control their own destiny, yeah. the better. Uh, I think a lot of major labels now are not they're not in the development process mm -hmm. you know they're looking for artists who have already built a fan base and now they can kind of take that and amplify it yeah um, it's funny too i've even noticed like the big kind of grandparent companies they're now kind of like they're a little bit behind but now looking to the independent like yeah, learning from the independents on what they can do to to grow and still exist. Even. Well, they're trying like, just as hard sitting at their you know boardroom tables trying yeah. to figure out how to make TikTok pop off as the average yeah. independent TikToker who's yeah. who's doing it themselves. So yeah, you know, it seems like oftentimes the labels, you know, as soon as an independent artist kind of gets a viral moment or a quote unquote mm -hmm. a hit or whatever, that's when they come to the table. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's like. You know, if I could speak to that independent artist at the time and be like, "Look, you just got yourself a viral moment. 
or, or a huge song, this could make you two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars. Like mm -hmm. you could take that money and reinvest, reinvest in that in yeah. yourself. You can make multiple albums. You could do a dope rollout plan of something, mm -hmm. and you get to control and own everything. Yeah. Um, opposed to great, you just had your viral moment, and now someone comes to the mm -hmm. table, and you are going to essentially have a boss now. Yeah. Um, it's 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 a tough one. Yeah, for sure. Um, you guys are currently on this milk and honey tour, yeah. which obviously like you guys are growing and growing now Two sold out nights here in Toronto, the velvet underground. Tell me what, tell me what your vision is for rare Americans as you go, as you go forward. Uh, I'd like to see us, um, we're kind of getting into, as I mentioned, like this multimedia space. So I mean, like you yeah. guys have, have this niche, kind of this niche that you've done and it, it has the possibility to be visual as well as, as audio. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be more multifaceted, not just, uh, you know, like an indie or alternative mm -hmm. rock band. I'd like to be much, um, more grandiose than that. Um, where, you know, as we grow in venue sizes, um, you know, making our show a real show, that's mm -hmm. something that we always, that we strive for is to create moments throughout the show and not just be a band that's playing on stage. So, you know, almost looking to like Pink Floyd, uh, mm -hmm. where you go to their show and it's a it's a it's a show. Yeah. You're yeah. coming for it's very theatrical. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the <clears throat> I think the natural evolution um, for us. And then, you know, I want to take the next year. You know, once this tour is done, we're probably going to take a year off of touring. I would imagine. Yeah. We've we've hit it real hard. Uh, and and really just release um, you know several projects kind of back to back mm -hmm. and um, bring in this more multimedia vi video slash music kind of approach mm -hmm. um, and we're gonna release just an onslaught of, of content and um, write a whole bunch more in the meantime and uh, see where it gets us yeah um, I'm not gonna say I don't have <clears throat> like the my dream is not to be like hey I, I want to be playing the Taylor Swift stadium tours. Right, um, right, right. I'm, I'm a headlining Rogers center. Yeah. I'm, I, you yeah. know, I, I am. That's everybody. Yeah. Of I, and it yeah. should be. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a bit of a, I'm obviously a realist as well. Hey, if, if we ever get a moment or something like that, mm -hmm. that'd be amazing. But I think just like by building our grassroots approach, uh, if we can get to two, 3000 cap venues, mm -hmm. um, I think that that it would be an amazing career. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's kind of where my, logical brain right. is uh, set as a goal I would say right. and, and anything else besides that would be um, icing on the cake yeah Vi visually <laughs> do you have like a uh, you know like do you, do you have like a dream of what it could like could look like for for people when they come and see like yeah it'd be it'd be inter intertwining like um, skits I would say okay. that are custom for the show okay uh, so you know you're watching you see the band and then boom you're into like the the movie okay you know, so to speak and you're getting the full scene the full characters the okay. full everything and then that kind of brings you back into the show mm. um, and then the other thing is I, I talk a lot during the show so okay. I, I talk a lot to the audience and I'm quite interactive um, so I wouldn't want it to be like even you don't Pink, want to take that away from yeah. Them. Even Pink Floyd, like their show is very much start to finish. It's yes. it's it's yeah. the movie is on now. Yeah, um, ours yeah. is a little bit. We have elements of that for sure, but then there's also elements of like, you know, hi, I'm I'm James. How's it going? You yeah. guys want to ask me a question? Let's yeah. let's talk. Um, and I think that the I wouldn't want to lose the intimacy. I right. think of our shows exactly. in that way, even as we grow in venues. So mm -hmm. I think that will be a challenge. Um, you know, even when, you know, we've played a few 800 cap venues or whatever. And once you upsize, the stage is much bigger. The room is much bigger. Your intimacy, it's harder to keep yeah. the same intimate vibe. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, but I think the more that you play those rooms and the more that you go through the repetition of those experiences, the yeah. more you're able to make a room that size feel like a room that's 300. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just... Uh, my sports background, you know, would say that's kind of winning at all levels. That's, yeah. that's not jumping up a league that you're not quite ready for yet. You're, mm -hmm. You play the 250s, which I think we've now done so many times that we, we know how to do those. Yeah. Now we've been doing a lot of 500 caps for the last six months. I'm very confident we know how to do those. Yeah. So now we jump up and, you know, go to the bigger rooms at 700, mm -hmm. 800, whatever. It's like, hey, that's, that's the next challenge. How do we make our show good for this size room? Yeah. And then I think you just keep 
upsizing and right hopefully well, i mean hopefully that's we're, it we're making the fans as well to support yeah. it so well you can like like you I mean you mentioned like your fans are so dead I've, I've seen some videos online of of people taking selfies like selfie videos at the concert singing along to every song and it's it's got that interactivity for sure and yeah so yeah balancing that the you know growing with not losing that is obviously yeah, I think a lot of that is also a, a genre thing. Like, of course, yeah. I think you'll find genres like ours or even hardcore mm -hmm. or punk. They have fans that a lot of those fans you're going to be their favorite band, right? Versus you go to a show that's um, someone who had a viral hit or mm -hmm. someone who had a big radio single or something. You'll find that you know people come and they're waiting for that waiting song, for song, but they don't necessarily know many of the other songs. Mm -hmm. They're probably not lining up to buy merch. Um, Ours is much more, you know, in line, I would say, with like the underground hip hop scene or mm. a hardcore scene where the fans are, they know every song yeah. and you are one of their favorite bands. They are going to buy a t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, and to me, that's like, you've had such a, you know, an indent in their life yeah. uh, and that's, it's very special. And when you're also, you know, I can remember myself as a kid when you're watching one of your favorite bands and all the other people around you, it's also one of their favorite bands yeah. and you're all singing together. It feels like you found a community a yeah, of people it. that, you know, and, and before you went to that show, you kind of maybe felt a little bit alone yeah. or you felt a little isolated and then bam, you're like, wow, I'm, I'm around my people and yeah. I didn't even know they existed. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's one of my favorite parts of our shows is yeah. that sense of, you know, belonging and community. It's, it's yeah. really fun. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned like when I was in in high school uh, like I went through a, a metal phase or okay, whatever yeah. and, and I mean I still love but <laughs> I went through a phase for sure and and I had a friend who taught me how to mosh or yeah, how, yeah, how yeah. to mosh properly because yeah, 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 there yeah. is definitely a proper yeah, way 100% but it's funny like I had my, my fiance now like she's only 5'2 and so she's okay. like I've never been in one she's like it's the most terrifying thing yeah. I can ever like I never want to be I couldn't think of anything worse and I was like honestly it's like it's like almost like hugging. Yeah, you know? yeah, like yeah. It looks it's, rough, but yeah. it's like there's like a unwritten rules. Yeah, of there's being a code. Wash paint. You know, if someone gets knocked over, pick them it's up. like everybody disperses yeah. till someone picks them up, and then it continues. Yeah, like you're not throwing like elbows. No, you're, that's it. It's yeah. like the unwritten. It's like a big hug almost, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. it's just like people getting their <laughs> angst out. You know, well, the the it's, punk rock community, man. They're yeah. you, you know they're they're also like teddy bears on the other side yeah. they're almost they're some of the most polite people as well mm -hmm. um there's a lot of straight edge people in that community yeah. it's uh it's very much uh everybody looks out for each other yeah. type of uh type of community and it's it's super cool so. yeah well man it's been super cool <clears throat> to talk to you it's super cool to see you know what you guys have been making and thank you obviously some really cool things coming so yeah so it's gonna to be a it. gonna be a crazy year and yeah. i uh i have high hopes we'll yeah. see we'll I have, have no to idea. do a, a repeat episode yeah, sure. after the yeah. films are out yeah so we yeah. Can we'll, talk we'll talk this. in a year and see how our grandmaster plan uh ends up working yeah. out sounds good man thank okay, you so sweet. much thank Cheers. you appreciate it Thank you for tuning in to the Adamantium Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd absolutely love for you to subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. I'd also love to see you on social media. You can follow on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. Thank you again so much for listening.